Welcome to Unlocking Brand, a part of our Siegel & Gale Says podcast series. Here, our global brand experts host live case studies, deliver actionable insights, and answer key questions on the topics that matter to brand marketers today. In this episode, Lori Kaplan, Executive Director for Corporate Brand and Patient Engagement at Bristol Myers Squibb, joins our co-CEO and Chief Creative Officer Howard Belk and our Creative Director Rafael Medina to discuss building an inclusive brand and bringing purpose to life using design. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Unlocking Brand, leveraging corporate brand to embed and build culture. This is a virtual web series where our global brand consultants are joined by our clients and, and deliver really useful insights by hosting it live case studies and answering your questions on, on the topics that matter to people that are involved in building brands today. Each episode, we unpack one topic from brand purpose to strategy to architecture, design, naming, communications, experience, and more. Today, as I mentioned, I've got some fabulous guests. You know, first, Lori Kaplan, who's the executive director, corporate brand at Bristol Myers Squibb. Hi. Welcome, Lori. Lori's Hi. been deeply involved in the, the brand building and corporate affairs arena at Bristol Myers Squibb. Lori, I'm going to say this. This is going to hurt. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> She's been steeped in brand at Bristol Myers Squibb for 35 years. And so there's very little she hasn't seen. She's been through a number of brand transitions and, and, you know, kind of refreshes, let's say, and there's nothing she hasn't seen. And the two of us are joined by Rafael Medina. Raf is an incredibly talented and experienced creative director who's been sort of at the center of refreshing the Bristol Myers Squibb brand at a moment of a real transition for the company. And so you're in for a real treat. They're gonna lead an in-depth conversation that explores what it takes to leverage a dramatic corporate brand to really make a culture shift, to build on, on what's there, but sort of add what's needed for the future. And you're gonna hear about designing with that kind of vision in mind, how to break through in an industry where you know, everything is blue and how to make sure that the brand you build is, is truly inclusive and, and it reflects the purpose and helps kind of activate the corporate purpose. And, and Bristol Myers Squibb is an organization that, that truly is inspired and motivated by the purpose of that organization. You're going to hear about that shortly. So we're going to discuss all of that, how we've worked together as a team and launched what's been an amazing brand in an amazing year 2020 and uh, it, it's enjoying some real success and and uh, making a big impact at bristol myers squibb and and to all of all the company's stakeholders you know it's really hard to believe that it's been two years since we basically set off on this journey but Lori, i think it would be a great opportunity just to give everyone a sense of you know what was the motivation behind the rebrand and kind of give us some insight from your perspective into you know what was driving this initiative yeah thanks raf and thanks howard you know before i jump in here i just would be remiss to say you know it you could see by that video it took hundreds of people to bring this to life and thank you for the opportunity to join both of you today it has been an amazing journey but i stand supported by many other people on the corporate brand team the corporate creative team, and of course, the wonderful team at Siegel and Gale, uh, without whose help we could never be here today to share our story. So I have many people to thank for getting us here. But it began about oh, a little over a year and a half ago in 2019, when our company announced the integration with Celgene and Juno, two great companies, you know, coming together with Bristol Myers Squibb, and each with its own legacy and heritage. But we felt that this was the time to really sit back and think, you know, is this the time to reinvent ourselves, to think through, you know, do we have a new story to tell, a more modern story to tell? And, you know, together with many different functions such as HR, so you'll see that even with our HR team, they were thinking through, this is a new time to think through what our values as a company, as employees would be reflecting the integrity, innovation, the urgency for patients, the passion for our patients, the accountability to our patients, 
and to employees and to future and present talent, it's inclusion, right? And so those were very important values. And to us, this was a, a right time really to unify our employee population. We were all gonna come new to this. We all had our own legacies, but this was the perfect time to come in and forge a new company together as current employees and future employees. And, you know, taking a look back, as Howard said, I'm, you know, 35 years old in the industry. I was there with Squibb when Bristol Myers and Squibb merged. And I remember what it was like as an employee seeing your legacy kind of disappear, right? As you were being, you know, bought into a new company. And that logo that you see there is affectionately known as the glyph or the snowflake through the company represented the 18 business units. Each of those facets in the glyph represented a business unit. And so even that was not relevant to our business today. We don't have 18 business units. And so, and the font was a little dated, right? So we just needed, we needed a fresh start with everything that was going on. And then we did some forensic branding, right? We call it forensic science and branding and took a look at ourselves. And quite frankly, we were surprised. And when you take a look externally, how we were showing up, we didn't have any consistency. We were not one face to the customer, you know, the sea of blue, different photography, different fonts. It was not really a great way to show up externally and internally these, believe it or not, our internal function logo. So every function in our company decided they need a logo. So this looked like more than 18 business units. So this looked like hundreds of different companies, right? So we knew things had to change. And so, you know, big part of our branding philosophy was we adopted a master brand philosophy strategy, which was a huge change management, a huge different mind shift for 33,000 employees to adopt to understand that everything going forward internally and externally were going to be consistent and we would have one unifying look for Bristol-Myers Squibb. Yeah, I think that's definitely one of the things that was the most impactful, this sort of campaign to win over the hearts and minds of thousands of people. You know, with that, you know, I'd like to, you know, just kind of mention that we had to do this in a short amount of time. Can you give us a little bit more insight into sort of what that change management process looked like, who the stakeholders were, and you know how that sort of came to be yeah so there was when the merger was announced that that was going to happen there was a task force or a working team that was put together probably eight nine months before the deal was going to close right to think through do we even change our name do we change our logo you know do we do this so these people were doing this for workforce you know as a part-time job right and along with their full-time job and it wasn't until we actually closed the deal that a full-time team was put in place for the corporate brand. For example, I, I was hired in to lead the effort at the end of November, right after the deal closed. So I remember sitting around the table with you, Raph Howard, and the team and saying, okay, we need to put a stake in the ground. We only get this so much energy and momentum in a short amount of time and we put the stake in the, in the ground of March 5th, right? And it, it meant then working across facilities, you know, because we knew that exterior signage was going to change, interior workplace branding, HR, legal, regulatory, you know, uh, talent, uh, ambulances. We have our own company ambulances, fire trucks. You know, we had to take an inventory of how much had to change. And we actually then said, you know what, we need brand ambassadors. We need to start socializing this as soon as possible. And so we definitely put together these functional teams to help us manage through this and making sure that we are inclusive throughout the entire company, our corporate affairs team, especially to help manage through this change. Yeah, and I think that within those first 49 days that really sort of defined our working relationship, really sort of how we worked in a really agile way and a flexible way. And, you know, it, the great thing is that I think that leadership played such a huge role, right? So helping us enable, you know, empowering us to, to make that happen. You know, but with that in mind, I'm going to shift gears just a little bit to talk about, you know, after we sort of landed on the direction we were moving in, just to talk about a little bit more about, you know, where we were situated within the space and where the opportunities became apparent for us moving forward. Yeah, 
So market differentiation was was a huge part, right? So we, again, it was part of that forensic, you know, digging in that we did to see, you know, what the landscape looked like. And for those of you not in the pharma industry, we could safely say there was a strong sea of blue is what we used to call it. You know, there's nothing wrong with the blue color. Many of you who have studied colors, because I'm sure you have chosen colors for brands and companies, blue is a calming color. Blue is a strong trusting color and especially in when you're working with patients um, in pharmaceuticals that's a good color to have but everybody was everybody had that color and so we realized we weren't really kind of standing out from the pack and so you can see here that we actually changed our color palette we have a primary color palette uh, which is the white the gray and the purple with purpose we call it so and we have secondary colors that we call it the colors of humanity because they are there to represent many different people. And we wanted to make sure that we, we, we showcased our people, our patients, and then most importantly, our science. So you can see here that we are starting to differentiate just with these you know, few little clips here, but it was very important for us to visually be different. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I think that you can't, we can't downplay the importance of the symbiotics around color and how that really, you know, impacts people's perceptions. And, you know, that warmth and humanity, I think, was the, the prime opportunity to express both the duality, sort of telegraphing the science and the humanity together. So, you know, that was really kind of a big goal for us. But beyond that, you know, I think that the design process is an interesting point to also touch on because we weren't grounding things like you said you know we had a rigor behind a lot of our, our our approaches so could you just give us a little bit more insight into you know how the vision line played a role in determining the direction that we took with the brand sure you know as, as marketers and i'm sure many have you know worked through creative briefs and you need an anchor point right you, usually it's your differentiated core benefit that you want to action or, or bring to life and Giovanni Caforio, our chief um, commercial officer, or chief uh, executive officer, working actually with Howard and the strategy team, worked through anchoring our vision for our company of transforming patients' lives through science. And what better set of words to anchor on um, from a creative standpoint to say, how do you bring that powerful line to life? It, it really was a very insightful, robust, set of words that really helped, you know, was really the springboard to everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, when we thought about where this came from in terms of, you know, rooting it in the narrative and then kind of distilling that even further to then find a, a visual, a symbol that really kind of expressed this in a really yeah. simplified way, that was the biggest challenge. And, and I, we had so many discussions early on. So, you know, how do we convey the right tone? The yeah. Emotion, right? <laughs> Yeah, and it was and the compassion and the humanity, everything we yeah. want and science. So how do you combine patient, science, humanity all in one symbol? That's not an easy task. <laughs> yeah. But you know, also the the thing is that almost the, the brief really kind of wrote itself. Once we started, you know, one of the key takeaways, one of the major insights is that it's the BMS is inherently a patient-centric brand. And we took that and you know, we just that was a great jumping off point for the entire exploration. You know. And you remember this, we went through hundreds of iterations to get that right expression. And it was one of those things where the devil was in the details. How do you embed, embed that narrative, that story into this symbol? And again, we kind of took, like you said, like a bit of a forensics approach to sort of like landing on that right expression. But the vision line was really kind of at the core of that. Yeah, and I think where the original hand, which I think is in the upper left-hand corner of the screen, was the original hand, and it really did speak to the analytics and the science behind the brand. But I think we had many, many conversations about how do you bring the compassion and the humanity and that, you know, the care that we want for our patients. And you'll see the different iterations of the thumb, right? And getting that just right. And we had hundreds of conversations about that. Right. And, you know, from the very beginning, it was this really unique symbol that everyone gra gravitated towards. Right. And um, and the end, like you said, you know, we still wanted to maintain that analytical perspective that was really brought to life through the fingers themselves. But then the curve of the thumb really kind of represented the humanity, the softness and 
in the end, it, we landed with a symbol that really kind of became that one expression of universal, a universal expression of healing, giving and receiving care. Yeah, and uh, even even the topography, you know, the words Bristol Myers Squibb and, and, you know, kudos to your team and, and bringing through that simplicity, but it was also the precision of those, of the art here that, you know, that really brought it to life as well, together with the hand symbol. Right. And then there's the tactical execution of actually installing things everywhere, like replacing thousands of, and hundreds of signs and kind of using the skeleton or the footprint of the previous logo to make sure that it's capable of, you know, fitting those situations or retrofitting some situations. But, you know, it was one of those things, again, kind of like the balance between humanity and science coming together within this evergreen element that we anchored everything in. Yeah, and the big thing, though, I think employees of Bristol-Myers Squibb um, would notice right away, and maybe those who have worked with Bristol-Myers Squibb would have noticed, you know, we did get rid of the hyphen, right? <laughs> you know, looking at our history, people never got that hyphen right. <laughs> and so we wanted to modernize, and it was, you know, that was a big deal to get rid of the hyphen between Bristol and Myers. You know, the other thing I think that as we kind of sort of transition into the, the next topic is that that idea, the notion of compassion, of, you know, patient centricity really kind of came to life in a lot of different ways. And I think one of the ways that really uh, resonated with me was this, uh, the way that we uh, made the process really inclusive. And, you know, as you mentioned earlier, you know, you're in a situation where you're welcoming new people into the company, where their heritage notion of, you know, the company that they work for is kind of transitioning over to a new company. So can you just talk to us a little bit about, you know, what that integration looked like, you know, welcoming Celgene and Juno into the mix? Yeah, sure. I, you know, as we mentioned before, that 49 days, within that 49 days, we had to launch the new brand. You know, we said it, this will not be successful if employees don't feel that they have skin in the game or they don't feel part of it. Because remember, they're leaving legacy companies that they had worked with for years and years including, you know, BMS folks as well. And, you know, brands are emotional. Brands create, you know, collaboration. They create culture. You know, think of sports teams, right? People feel really attached to sports teams. And so we did focus groups through many different functions across Celgene, Juno, and BMS to introduce the brand and have them talk about it. What does it mean to them? And it was an amazing experience to really understand the heart of the brand, how people feel an emotional connection to their legacy brands, and how you know it also gave us insight into what things we were going to encounter, such as challenges, as we introduced the new brand to the corporation. So we also then put that, as we mentioned before, many different functions together, facilities, HR, commercial, medical, IT. We knew everybody had to feel ownership or this was never going to work, you know. Thankfully, we had, you know, commitment from our leadership teams, you know, from Giovanni on down, there was a commitment that, that everyone was going to adopt the brand. But we didn't want people to adopt a brand because they were being told to adopt a brand, right? We wanted people to be energized and excited about this. And so we, you know, we again, we we brought together brand ambassadors across the world. I think we have about 60, 60 to 70 brand ambassadors who are their leadership roles, along with their full time roles. But they they they're their eyes and ears of the pulse of the organization. They get to introduce new things to the corporation. And on reveal day, we had it was like a launch party. And we gave, we made sure that on day one, we had specific assets that we gave every employee, PowerPoint templates, email signature, their new security badge. And we created an excitement day and we had everyone sign a commitment page, take pictures with the new brand, share it on social media. And we began to build our brand asset management system so that every employee and every agency partner that we work with has access to the brand and the training of our brand is because again, a master brand brand is a change and a mind shift. Mm -hmm. So it was very important to make sure that everybody was on board. Yeah, I think that sense of inclusion from the very beginning was was also done in a very personal way from where, for, you know, for, and in terms of the conversations we were having, because we wanted people to bring a sense of their authentic selves to the company as well. Just, you know, their ways of working, new ways of thinking, 
encouraging them to continue being innovative and inspiring them. You know, with that in mind, you know, obviously there was, you know, this continued sense of, you know, thoughtfulness around how we actually introduce the brand to people and welcome them into the company. Um, and the other thing that I think would be also important to touch on is as we were rolling out the brand, right? So we designed the brand, we were rolling out the brand, but we didn't stop there. You know, we we're really kind of looking at it in a very iterative way. We were, you know, continuing on with like that agile way of working, uh, maintaining that flexibility. We wanted to obviously release a, a slew of different assets, but also providing people with not only instructions for how to use them, but also a way of evaluating things. And I think that's when it became really clear that, you know, our personality was the optimal way to do that. You know, and it almost became like this, uh, you know, a principled way of thinking about the brand, applying a mindset into the actual expression. And that touched everything, as you know, you know, from the rounded, approachable quality of our icons, which we cre we've now created thousands of, you know, where we also have our, our custom font, EMS Humanity, which again is kind of balancing the rigor of, you know, the, the geometry of the letter forms with the rounded quality of the humanity that's also kind of being brought through. Uh, but then also the, the emphasis on people, patients, and employees, where we're suddenly really making them the spotlight, right? We're making sure that they're being brought to the front and we're celebrating. We're celebrating those stories, we're celebrating those people, and also in, hopefully it's inspiring them, right? Yeah, yeah, and we also wanted to make sure our employees saw themselves in the brand. So even through photography, you know, the ability to put the whitewash, you know, sorry, the gradient wash behind their photos to, to make them be the brand, right, was important that they could see themselves in the brand. And to your point about the iconography, it's not that we just created hundreds of icons, which we did, but, you know, if a team needed a specific icon, we gave them the instructions to how to draw the icon, they could create icons, right? So everybody could have that ownership in, in the brand. And I think that was important that people see themselves reflected in the company. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we were sort of socializing things internally and training everyone, the, it became really apparent that, you know, we had to educate people to some degree to make them understand that the brand isn't just a logo. Yep. It's the combination of all these things brought together. It's Absolutely. a warmth that's even brought to in the gradient, like you mentioned. Okay. And, um, and then the question of, you know, is it delivering on people? conveying this sense of a focused, passionate, and heroic brand. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The other thing that, you know, I'd love to maybe you just cover off on um, as well is that, like I said earlier, we didn't just design the assets and say, here you go, have a good day. <laughs> we kept an open dialogue with our agency partners, employees across the organization globally. And um, I think that there's a lot of, you know, one of the key learnings for me is that we, we didn't need to stop there. We couldn't stop there. We had to obviously look at things that were really robust and comprehensive, but then also and make it easy for people to understand, well, at a, very, at a glance, what comprises the brand, right? So, you know, it ranged like from what you see here to this really extensive guideline document with trainings that involved, like I said earlier, over 2,000 people to a cheat sheet on the right. Absolutely. And, you know, every day we meet at three o'clock, my team and the Seagull and Gale team every day and uh, we have what we call office hours because you know we, we recognize that commercial teams you know different teams are bringing on new agencies working agency partners for product brands etc and you know we go through it with them um, help them adopt the the brand answer any questions and also you know we consider ourselves a new brand you know we're a year old but we're still a new brand and we recognize to, to your point raf not one size fits all right so mm -hmm. there are things we have changed based on user experience so we are open to that feedback if something doesn't work bring it to us we'll you know tweak it change it adapt it we put out a monthly newsletter to all employees with what's new on Globe. Globe is our, our uh, brand asset management system we call Global, uh, Globe, Globe, Global Library of Brand Elements. And so um, where to find things, we're right in the midst of designing now, you know, PowerPoint. We're a very PowerPoint <laughs> company. So uh, people want to be on brand with the template. So we're creating a time saver with a bunch of different templates so they can just, just put in their content. So again, being very responsive to our employees um, to make sure that they have everything they need to be successful. 
Yeah, I think, you know, it, it became really clear that these assets needed to be dynamic. You know, they needed to work, like you said, at a very large scale, at a global scale, but then they also had to be workhorse documents, right? Yeah. And also, like, for example, COVID, you know, we launched the brand right when COVID, the pandemic hit. And mm. so, you know, our brand, when we launched it, was so dependent on photography. You know, we wanted to show the faces and the humanity of different types of people. And we couldn't get out there and take photographs of people, you know, and you don't want to rely on stock imagery all the time, right? Because that doesn't become your brand. You know, your brand is our patients and our science and our people. And so working with your team, you can see a little icon of it in the corner, illustration style, that's how the illustration style came to be. We needed something to convey a story where we couldn't get out and do a photography shoot, right? So we love the illustration style and that also helps to bring our brand to life too. So we're always iterating, which is what I love about this brand. Yeah, I think that it's really important to, I think, you know, I almost forget that, you know, this occurred during COVID, right? Just because I think we pivoted so quickly and we had to adapt to the changing needs of the business and technology changes. And I think that, you know, moving forward, we just need to always keep that in mind that you need to be prepared for different ways of working, different ways of thinking. You know, with that, and, you know, go, go ahead, sorry. Sorry, no, I just saw a question from Stephanie about whether we use audio, the power of sound to any of our assets. And I have to say, no, we did think about it you know, during the 49 days, we, I remember for the reveal day, for launch day, we said, well, wouldn't it be great to have our own song, you know, and really kind of pump up employees. But uh, unfortunately we ran out of time, we never got to do that. But I do think that the power of sound is important too. And that is something that um, I would love to advocate for, to have sort of our own Bristol-Myers Squibb theme music whenever we introduce our brand, whether that be through DTC or, or other vehicles. I think that's very powerful. Yeah, and I think that the purpose is one of those powerful elements that, you know, even today when you're thinking about how the brand is evolving, again, it's adapting to uh, adjust to the needs of, you know, different forms of communication, different audiences. You know, I'd love to just also get your thoughts on like, you know, where do you see the future of the brand going, you know, and how have you seen it just in this very short amount of time adapt to the needs of the business, but also the needs of the people that we're trying to help and communicate to? Yeah, it's, and again, why I love the brand so much is it is so flexible and adaptable. And, you know, we are living in interesting times um, across the world. And there is always something to talk about. And our narrative is so robust and expansive that this brand flexes to talk about different issues. You know, when COVID hit, our company, um, you know, launched into a patient assistance program that we, you know, we were right up there with them helping to design what that should look like and how to communicate to patients. And we were able to flex the brand for that. When we want to reflect the integration of our company and the last, you know, you see the little thumbnail of the two hands behind the mosaic. Those are actually thousands of different photos of our employees working together, working from home together. It became the cover of our annual report this year because it meant so much to us as a company. You know, when we want to, we want to make sure our employees are come to work as their authentic selves. And you see that that's our pride ad to the left that, you know, to represent the, you know, and the inclusive inclusivity of our employees. So this is what the magic I think of this brand is that we are able to flex it, uh, adapt and bring it to life every day and really help, you know, pull through our narrative as a company. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, we, I really can't take for granted the fact that the, the purpose is really kind of the key driver behind everything that we do. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, it, it comes to life in like the smallest expression to like the, the, the biggest or the most impactful, broadest reach expression of the brand. And, you know, it's exciting to see also kind of like where we're going moving forward and how that evolution continues to take shape. And, and embracing those tenets of simplicity, but also in a form that's elegant and human and approachable. And again, also kind of bringing that science to life in a way that's authentic to, yeah. to the company. Lori, I feel like this uh, this time kind of just really flew by really fast. Yeah, really and fast. <laughs> we're just, you know, touching the, the tip of the iceberg, I think, in terms of really everything that we've done within the, the short period of time. And thank you, you've been, again, uh, and everyone else at the corporate brand team, have been such incredible partners and you know it's it's a delight to work with you and uh you know really looking forward to you know where we're going to go next but at this point i think i'll pass it back over to howard and um 
I, we could maybe field some questions and have some Q&A going on. Sure, let's do it. Nice job, guys, really nice job. Okay, I got one, I have one for you, Lori. Um, and this is an easy one too, by the way. We're, we're starting you off really easy. Can you talk a little bit, you know, Giovanni Caforio, the CEO, was deeply involved in this. What's the value of, you know, that kind of involvement from the CEO? And in, in the case of Giovanni, you know, somebody that is truly creative, curious, a very deep thinker, and pretty brave too, you know, what kind of an impact did that make on, on where you landed here? Yeah, that was huge for us, you know, to have Giovanni support first and foremost, but because it's such a, such a vast difference from where we came from. I mean, we went from that solid calming blue to Pantone Purple Sea, right? Which is, you know, we call passionate purple or purple with a purpose. And that took, that's brave, that's courageous in pharma. And have seen him get excited about that. But more importantly, was his support because going into the mind shift of master brand strategy from past, which was a free for all, this required Giovanni and his LT to be supportive. You know, the, the governance comes through our team here, the corporate brand team. And when we say no, you know, it's having that backup and saying, no, you can't do it this way. You have to do it that way. And knowing that your CEO is supporting, you know, 100% behind you is, it, you know, it just gives you that, that ability to ensure that you're pulling through the brand in the way it's meant to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I guess one of the reasons that Giovanni and really the whole ELT was so interested was because of this transformative acquisition that Bristol Myers had made. I guess it was the largest acquisition in the history of pharmaceutical industry, something like that, for Celgene. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was pretty big, and I think that you know Giovanni, I think, adopted some of the work, you know, the the, the sort of the strategy that that Siegel and Gale brought through about simplicity. Mm -hmm. Right. It's keep it simple. You don't need the bells and whistles. You know, your message is your what you want to get through. Right. Your visual, your creative is to complement. And our focus, he really wants our focus on patience and science. Full stop. And we need to let our patience and science shine through um, mm -hmm. to the brand. Do you think that, you know, you know, choosing this moment in time to, you know, change a 30 year old brand and identity? turned out to be sort of a unifying, I don't know, force in the, in the integration of the two companies, Lori? Absolutely, because again, you had three companies, Juno, Celgene, BMS, and then very shortly after, we had Myocardia, right? All with their legacy, all brands, and this really gave everyone to rally around. This is new. Brand pride became very significant. You know, I say never underestimate the importance of swag. Right, T-shirts, yeah. right, pens, notebooks. It really did help people adopt faster because they had something to show off and be proud of and be the first, you know, cohort of employees, thirty-three thousand employees, to yeah. wear the new brand. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, okay, I got, I got a toughie for Raf. Somebody's, somebody's getting in his face about his font design. Raf, get ready. <laughs> Somebody's got coming at you about this this soft, curvy, you know, very human symbol next to what's being characterized as a brutal sans serif font. <laughs> <laughs> you want to take that on? Yeah. Obviously, look, look, it's also that balance between the humanity and the science. And it's finding a, a combination of two different elements that's capable of expressing that idea. So that rigor behind the science, you know, we're not making soft lofty science it's actual real science it's a rigorous science so the word mark was essentially uh, a means of expressing that idea and then you know the emotion is really kind of brought to life through the symbol the symbol is going to be the thing that's expressing the you know that compassion the healing the care that you're giving to people so in you know once you kind of bring those two things together that's kind of the you know the, the impetus behind the design and what drove or helped us land where we are today Okay, yeah. so we're, we're we're just entering baseball season, Lori. I think we can call that a high tight fastball, and I think Raf knocked it out of the park, didn't he? He did great, and I saw the um, the last piece of that question was why isn't the new color reflected in the text? And I think you know we had a lot of conversations about what we call that hash, you know, purple with a purpose, and our hero color of purple. We did not want to be known as the purple brand, right? We wanted our colors 
to represent the humanity and the compassion as a whole, the sum of, you know, some of the parts. And mm -hmm. so we are very protective of that purple color. We only emphasize or use that color to emphasize people, patients, and science. So that's where you'll see us use that color, and that's very important. Oh, that's smart. I love that. So that, that kind of leads to another question, Lori. You know, somebody said, you know, okay, so we heard that internally this, this rebrand created a lot of joy. Do you have any sense of how external audiences have responded to it? Yeah, we ran a uh, social campaign in the last, at the year end of last of 2020 for uh, talent acquisition and also to talk about patient's assistance through the pandemic. And I will tell you that the metrics have come in and the engagement has significantly, you know, the metrics there have significantly increased to prior years. So much so, I think that people were spending almost three minutes on BMS.com, which is 50% more than they had ever before. So these are mm -hmm. encouraging, and that was just our first run. So as an intro, so we are very encouraged how not only the brand, but our narrative is resonating with external um, audiences. Yep. Fabulous. We got, we got a, a good one, I, I think a really good one related to the brand ambassadors, Lori. And, and Raph, I have, I have another good one coming your way too in a sec, so hang in there, pal. <laughs> so um, anything you've learned about, about engaging brand ambassadors and keeping that, you know, keeping that, their head in the game and sort of, you know, getting everybody pointed in, in the same direction? Yeah, we have a lead of our brand ambassadors, Erin McMaster. She's fantastic. And what she's done is created this strong team of individuals, again, across the world. And they are the first to see all our new brand assets. So, um, oh, you know, really to give them that leadership so role. So they're insiders in a way. They're, they're insiders. And we share everything, you know, even we're developing a new corporate ad campaign and they're the first to see it, right? So before any other employee, they'll be the first to see it. They come to us with challenges. We work with them individually. So again, you know, we empower them. And what's really great about now is that managers are coming to us and saying, hey, could so-and-so be a brand ambassador? Because, you know, the, you know, people want to be part of this and they see this as a developmental opportunity, a leadership development opportunity for especially up and coming managers. So it's, it's great. Fantastic. Raf, do you have any like we almost did this story? That's and this is another good one. I have one, too. That involves a big German telecom company, but I don't know if we want to get there. Go there. No, 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 no there. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we have so many stories. I think, you know, we didn't just decide to make the change on a whim. I think that the heritage of the company played a huge role in a lot of the discussions during the de design phase. Do we, you know, do we modernize the glyph? Do we refine the glyph? You know, do we not touch the glass, you know, like there were lots of things that were sort of tossed around. And we looked at a pretty broad range of expressions there too. And, you know, every scenario that I just kind of described was a prompt for us to then explore what that would look like. But in the end, it really wasn't conveying the vision of the company moving forward. Yeah. And it wasn't setting us up for the future. And um, so, yeah, again, you know, it was like a very collaborative process. We didn't just say, here's your hand. And we're done. I think it was, you know, a much longer conversation, and we prototyped and tested lots of different things. Yeah, I think that almost what we almost did, like for example, do we shorten our name? Are we just Bristol? Not yes. Myers Squibb? Are we just BMS? You know, and so we actually had to look at the lift, you know, because each of these things would, you know, you know, it's a heavy lift to rebrand a company to begin with. And it was know, an enormous as, technology cost too, right, Lori? In the, in the end, it was a name that Giovanni loved but it had implications in the tens of millions of dollars, right? At double. I mean, it was going to be double the cost to, um, to create the, the rebrand. And we just said, you know, it's not, it's not going to work. It's not worth yeah. it to do it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I have one for you. Um, you know, your whole ELT, you know, your executive leadership team leaned in on this thing so deeply in particular, of course, Laura Hortis, your head of, you know, comms and, and employee communications and, um, what, what, what's it like having support at, at that level? I don't even know if you could put a word I, I felt on like, it. It's I like, felt like Laura always, you know, she she knew you, uh, in this domain you were the expert and she gave you so much room, you know? 
Laura Hortus, Danielle Hofstrom, you know, the corporate affairs leads, Giovanni, Chris Berner, to have the confidence of your LT go, it's, it's tremendous. I mean, it's, it, they empowered our team to get it done. And, you know, and basically gave us sort of the, the runway. If you come into any hurdles, come to us, we'll help yep. you. You know, it's the, I think the one, the biggest hurdle we encountered and other companies may have, and it had nothing, it's not a marketing issue, it's legal entities. When you have a merger and an acquisition, many of your XUS markets are considered legal entities for up to two years and they can't transition as quickly on the brand. And we had to really get really our, you know, our legalese, our legal minds around the table to help us to say, how do we rebrand all these different markets if our hands are, you know, if we're kind of constrained by the legalities of a legal entity and pulling out all the top-notch support to help us, you know, get through that was, was, yeah. was key. You know, the same theme, we're getting a lot of questions about, you know, how your, your, your employees Re reacted. It was also striking to us how your team involved your your talent group, your chief HR officer, Ann Powell, and mm -hmm. realized this is not a marketing only initiative. We really need all parts of the company pulling together. I mean, any sort of observations or learnings from that? Yeah, we yeah. definitely partnered because when we when HR introduced our new values, we made sure that our values are included in all of our branding. So, for example, when we do our workplace branding, uh, you know, we're very restrictive about what can be on the walls inside BMS, right? And it has to do with patience and science. That's it. But our values are on our walls, right? Because we believe that that makes that the values are the core of our brand. So when you think about brand personality and tone, that's what makes up our brand. So those values are key. And they, have, they were our partners throughout that and how we designed for those values, um, yeah. they were a strong seat at the table. Yeah, it seemed like a, a real success factor. We've got, I got an interesting one. And Raph, I'm sorry, most of these are coming towards Lori, but we'll, 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 <laughs> we'll keep looking for another fastball or curveball for you. How about um, social media? Are you guys sort of measuring what the, what the sentiment is on those other channels and platforms? Absolutely. We're on your standard channels, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, in fact, we've actually learned, you know, which channels work harder for us and which channels we shouldn't even be on, you know, basically based on performance. So we're getting a lot of key learnings there and by audience, you know, if we want to attract future talent, you know, it's definitely LinkedIn, right? And we actually, because of our social media engagement at the end of last year, we actually had six hires based on unsolicited you know, feedback from these hires, I think it generated 74 leads. And we had six hires out of that based on the actual brand advertising because they unsolicited told us your ads are very different. They're, you know, they spoke to me, uh, made me want to be part of BMS. So we are measuring, um, and again, early reads. So it's it's been really nice. Well, I remember, you know, it, as one of the, the big sort of um, KPIs, I guess, is talent, it, it, the, the, the feeling from your, your ELT was, you know, the, the the future of the company rests on bringing, you know, building on the talent we have here with new talent, and it's and and it's a talent war out there. So, um, I, yeah. I could see how that would be, you know, really important. Yeah. The other thing too with that is that you know our teams, our functions are used to creating their own campaigns. So, for example, talent campaign could look different than the corporate campaign. And as I said, mentioned before, we're working on a new corporate brand campaign. And we actually shared it with our HR team, and we're going to use the same campaign. Part of the master brand strategy, everybody uses the same campaign, little tweaks here and there to make it relevant to their message and their narrative. But yeah, I think that's really important to have, you know, that everybody's rallying around the brand. And There's I, only I've seen one brand, right? Only one brand. Only, only one, one brand. brand. I, yeah. And I've seen, I know you're leading the, the QA, but I've seen this question pop up a few times about the hand symbol and cultural, you know, differences. And we did. We went, we looked in Singapore, Indonesia, many different countries, India, et cetera, uh, testing the hand across Germany, France, Israel. You know, we went all over uh, to test the hand and receive positive, positive sentiment about the way it was. Because again, it's in, it's in context to our messaging about transforming patients' lives through science. It's not isolated. We never use the hand by itself. 
it's never out there as a free icon. It's always with the name Bristol Myers Squibb. So that's also important to mention. Yeah. Um, I, I, Raph, we've got a question. You know, did you guys explore logo type only with no symbol or, or was it, you know, was the symbol, you know, um, kind of going to be part of the equation from day one? Yeah, you know, I think earlier on, at the very, very early stages, we were pitching the work, actually, we considered what a logo type would be. But, you know, with the shift in the organization and just kind of the reorientation of the, of the vision, kind of where we were going, it just made sense strategically to have a symbol that represents that. But, you know, it doesn't mean that every brand has to have a symbol. Like, you, you think about some, you know, key players today, Google, for example, they don't, you know, they rely on a very customized set of characters and a very specific set of colors. You know, they've invested heavily in the use and how they actually apply those colors on everything. And that's what builds their brand. So for us, it just didn't make the strategic sense to go in that direction, but Got it completely makes sense for any other brand. Sure. Out there. Got it. You know, I, I get this question too, that you've got some folks out there wondering, how do you keep an executive leadership team engaged through a process like this. In our case, you know, of course, John Elliker was was really helpful in that. Um, and you had we had a lot of support. But can you talk a little bit about the cadence of meeting with a team like that? And, and what do you share with them? And, and, you know, and what don't you share with them? Because it's a level of, of weediness, perhaps that's, you know, that they don't need to know. Yeah, and John Elker, we miss him. He retired from BMS right after the launch of the brand, but um, we miss him. And he was—he did a phenomenal job, you know, informing the LT. But we actually prepared the cadence for the LT, along with you know how do we socialize it with employees? We have to socialize it with the LT and ask for their support. We had a walking deck, we called it, and we would meet with the LT pretty frequently to give them updates on where we are with the brand. Also, within my team. We have different areas of responsibilities to keep the LT member informed, right? So, on a tip, you know, on a usual cadence to make sure that they're um, aware. Even when they do their town halls, we make sure to review their, you know, their PowerPoint decks to make sure they're on brand, right? And we help their comms people pull through the brand so that they're showcasing the brand every time they're in front of thousands of employees within their functions. So again, our, our job is to make them successful with the brand, which is which is very key. And they have and we also the brand ambassadors. We make sure that all the brand ambassadors are attached to certain uh, functions within those oh, that's, teams as well. That's smart and kind of unique too. It, yeah. So it's like a shadow. Got it. It's yeah. a, um, I, I there's another very good one here, which is, you know, the the pharma category or biopharma category where you guys live right now. One of the unique things about it is there is this distance between the corporate brand, the enterprise brand, and those branded products, those hero yeah. products. Will that be changing at Bristol-Myers Squibb? Or is that something that you guys talk about is, you know, having yeah. a, a more visible presence of Bristol-Myers Squibb at these sort of hero products of yours? That's a great question and something we definitely um, worked through. And for me, coming from commercial and working on product brands my entire career, we decided that from a brand architecture perspective, the brands are the brands, right? They have their own campaign, their own fonts, their own look and feel. Because you mean, when you say the brands are the brands, the you product, mean the, the drugs. Product, the drugs, the product brands, because, and this is very important, each of those brands have a different competitive set. They're working within different marketplace, different customer seg segments. They know their audiences better than we ever will. You know, we would do it sort of you know, holistically, they really have to get in, they have to understand, you know, what's going to resonate with an oncologist, what's going to resonate with a rheumatologist, right? So that's very important. So we only ask that when they add our new logo, that it's in full color, you know, we're not at, we don't put it in, you know, white font on a black background, it has to be in full color to build that equity. But any unbranded campaign that the products do. So for example, if there's going to be a campaign on psoriasis, or you know cardiovascular or anything that's done in the corporate brand palette and and branding so mm -hmm. that's bristol myers squibb providing yeah. that educational information yeah. Yep. yeah got it and so we're, you're coming through year one you're you're entering year two and you're still you know still going at it there's lots of things you're tackling any key learnings from 
you know, from the past, whatever, 14 months, Lori, that you're going to, you'll be thinking about going forward? Yeah, there were a couple, there's two things. One is set expectations early, right? Because you mentioned we're going into year two. We set expectations that it would take three years, right? That glyph was everywhere, right? <laughs> In the digital world. So just to make sure that people understand, media outlets have it. You know, you have to go and reach out every media outlet to switch out to the new logo. So you're still going to see old Bristol MyScript branding for a couple years. So set expectations are that people, every time they don't, they see an old brand, they don't, they're not calling you on the phone and saying, "Hey, I see this new, you know, I see the old branding." So setting expectations early uh, was a big one. And I think that if we had to do it all over again, I think Giovanni would say the same thing. Is the working team when the um, merger was announced was great and that was the right thing to do. But once the decision was made to go with a new brand, they should have put a work, you know, a full-time team in place, right? It was still working with other people, you know, could have task force. And I think that's a key learning so that that 49 days wouldn't have felt so strenuous. Maybe. <laughs> that's great. Well, look, you know, I want to thank you know you for for devoting time today to share what you've learned. It's, it really is valuable, and I'm I, I have no doubt that you've helped you know everybody on this call. Raf, you know you and your team that you led are just absolutely crushed it with this one. That the entire world, when you think about it, right now is focused on health in a way that it hasn't been for a hundred years. If you think about it, and. Um, what you two and your teams have done is is make sure that Bristol Myers Squibb is showing up in a way that um, really speaks to people and it speaks to all people. So congratulations on that. This is sort of the close of, of today's conversation. Thank everybody for tuning in. And um, and thanks thanks for being here. It's been a pleasure. It's been Thank fun. You. It's been fun. It's been fun. We couldn't have done it without Siegel and Gail. You guys are well, amazing. You know, my closing remark is I remember we every day we'd sit down with Giovanni and we'd say and we'd promise him it was going to be the best meeting he had all day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening. You can learn more about our work and read our thought leadership on SiegelGale.com. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen. While you're at it, leave us a review. See you next time.